Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Welcome to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle, and joining me today is Ravinder Singh, the current SVP of Consulting at Citius Tech. Ravinder has been with Citius Tech for over two years now, having previously worked as VP of Consulting until this month when he got promoted. Before Citius Tech, Ravinder had an accomplished career in the world of computer and software solutions, working at industry-leading companies such as Infosys and Oracle, in positions that were situated within the healthcare and life science fields. Ravinder, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> so happy to have you here and talk with you today. And you've had a wonderfully long and impressive career. Can you tell us what ultimately led you to Citius Tech? Just the opportunity in healthcare. I've always been passionate about healthcare. So started with my computer science. By chance, I tripped into healthcare industry, loved it so much, just stayed through it. And City Tech, one of the organizations, which is, I would say, one of the largest aggregation of healthcare talent. So I thought this is the place to be if I have to make a difference. What made you so passionate about healthcare? Was there any sort of certain moment that pulled you in to healthcare? Yeah, so... Many reasons, but if I have to point out two, one I would say is my love for complexity. And the second is ability to make a difference. And I think that combination has been fascinating for me. Just love the complexity it has, love to solve those challenges. And the second is it does make a difference, gives me a purpose. It, there's certainly both those things there <laughs> complexity and feeling like you can make a difference because healthcare is for everyone, right? And we, it's something that we all need at certain points in our life. And that's wonderful that you can be in a field that it leads so much in that or be it at work at a company that leads so much in that field. That's wonderful. Exactly. So I want to talk today to you today about generative AI, which I feel like a lot of people might know about generative AI through applications like chat GPT and its art creations and uh, some of those visuals. But when were you first introduced to generative AI? Okay, so I think we coined the term generative AI now, and we are seeing it at scale now. But I would say, even if I look back about a couple of years, about five years back, we already started talking a lot about cognitive search. And I think I would say the early days of when generative AI started playing its role. So people already started moving away from just the structured data processing and starting to deal with the complexity of unstructured data and NLP. And I think that's where we started, you know, seeing that transition happening. Or I shouldn't say transition, actually. I think it started kind of augmenting and saying, let's, you know, explore these areas of generative AI, early days of dealing with text. And I know still, you know, some of the earlier projects that I did was just intuitively and cognitively searching PubMed so that you could process that large amount of information meaningfully because it's such a vast database and there is, you know, getting to a meaningful information on what exactly were you looking for has, it's been an information challenge. Mm -hmm. So 
I would say it's been a couple of years that we have been working with some of the early prototypes of what we call as generative AI today. Then we started looking at augmenting some generation of document. I know in customer communication management, whether it is insurance, whether it is, you know, some of these large documents that are sent to customers, there are some elements of generating documents, but those have been very procedural in nature. And if you look at, you know, progressing as AI started making their way into it, that's what we call Gen AI today. Okay. Yeah, guys, I think the layperson hearing generative AI and thinking chat GPT and then thinking healthcare and like, how do these things fit together? So what is your opinion on generative AI? Do you think it can, you know, a software program, computer can humanize healthcare? Yes, I think let's take a look at, you know, how computers are designed. And, you know, we have actually seen these designs for a while. They're actually designed procedurally. So they design or they kind of take up a procedure and just gives you steps towards it and structures a lot of information, right? But humans are cognitive. Mm-hmm. So if I traditionally call this as a typical gap between machines and humans, I think generative AI nicely starts filling that particular gap, which is bringing in cognition into computers and bridging that gap. And now you can actually interact cognitively versus starting to bridge processing data and processing information are two different things. So I think that gap is what I would call is being bridged. Now, what does it mean to healthcare? So guess what, right? Where would you apply your most cognition? Would you actually apply your most cognition when you're withdrawing money from the bank? Would you actually apply when you're taking care of your health? So that's the opportunity, you know, that we see in healthcare, right? So once this bridge is built between how machines interpret cognition and how humans want to be treated with cognition and empathy, I believe it opens up a lot of possibilities. Let me take an example, right? So going to the world of humanizing, right? So I had a very interesting conversation with one of the oncologists sometime back. And she actually mentioned, she said, look, I know we are actually designing EMRs. She says, my challenge is slightly different than all the burnouts and whatnot, which still remains a challenge, is that my brain doesn't work procedurally. It works with stories. So when I sit in front of a patient, I would like to hear a story. And that story is right from symptoms, when it happened, what happened, how you feel. And it's a whole lot of story. And that actually gives me the best diagnosis versus just looking at the lab data. I corroborate with the lab data. So if you really look at it, you know, the way the healthcare works is a very much with stories and those resonate with people. And that's how they actually want to get treated. So think about the possibility of humanizing it, right? So it suddenly changes the game from looking at and then saying, let me look at your HbA1c value. Let me look at your RBC values. Or let me look at your FDG values to versus saying, okay, here is, let me hear your story. And let me tell you a story back. And that kind of changes the game significantly. So that's how I would say, bridge the gap, leverage that and kind of make it more empathetic and humanizing. That's a brilliant example. And a perfect example, really, I think, we as human beings are hardwired for story in all of its different forms. And so using that in healthcare <laughs> and bridging that gap between healthcare and AI, I think is perfect. What a wonderful example. In terms of that programming, I'm just going to kind of pull on that thread a little bit more. What would maybe that procedure look like for AI to tell that story or to bridge that that gap? Is there like a specific example that you might have software-wise and how that works? Yeah, sure. I think that's where it starts making it real because all of us touch technology right from till the time we go to sleep and maybe even our sleep when you wear your sleep (laughs) isn't it? 
So technology is pervasive. It's all around all the time, 24 by 7, right? So let's make it, you know, a few things real. And the other way of looking at when technologies, so for that matter, any innovation actually starts opening up possibilities that were never possible before, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we all take examples of mobile phones, right? Now everything is converging onto the mobile phone that, and, you know, this is something that we have seen within our lifetime. So we actually gave up in healthcare on few things. So we gave up and then said, we can never solve physician burnout. So this is an administrative overhead. Live with it. Now, guess what? Generative AI opens the possibility of changing that. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at it. About 15% of a physician's time actually goes into administrative work today, give and take, anywhere between 10 to 15. And another, I would say 15 to 20% actually goes into entering data or reading data. And rest of it goes into patient care plus some miscellaneous work. Now, in that miscellaneous work, 1% of that is learning. So think about how much is the divide. So there's patient care, there is administrative work, and then there's learning. With generative AI, can we not shift it? So let's say if we reduce the administrative work, where A, I can generate, say, all the administrative tasks, pre-authorization letters, referral letters, make computers to do it, right? That bandwidth not only goes into investing back into the patients, which is what the patients want. On the other hand, can I actually increase my bandwidth to learn new things because medical knowledge doubles every 73 days. How much of this is something that <laughs> I can use? Look at the shift it can make. So that's the possibility. Now let's look at the other end of it, right? The other end of it is when we are working with payers and, you know, all these controls, all these documentation is put in for good reasons because we need controls. We need information. We need those procedures. But, you know, any industry actually is a patchwork of regulations and instructions that we actually get from different parts of the ecosystem and so does actually healthcare. So insurance providers have to give a pre-authorization, right? Pre-authorization requires processing multiple data, policy documents, right? Clinical, appropriate use, all of this needs to come into it, right? Going back to availability of cognition. Can I actually not employ generative AI to actually summarize all of this for me and give me an accurate answer? So it kind of changes the game significantly. First and foremost, gives me a faster, more accurate, and finally still lets me kind of live with the regulations and the procedures that are actually put in in place. So it works brilliantly. It changes, you know, the speed at which the patients actually get treated or pre-authorization changes the experience with which they work. And finally, on the other end, I've just created the bandwidth for the physicians. So problems that we gave up on, let's try them now. So yeah. I think that's the opportunity that I can see what generative AI can bring in, which is a perfect, you know, I would say example of an innovation or a game changer innovation. Yes, absolutely. I would agree. And it sounds like that's a, a win for all the parties <laughs> involved. The doctors get to focus on being a doctor and the healthcare aspect of it and being with their patients and uh, some of right. that admin and that busy work, taking that out, streamlining it. That's great. Now, uh, AI, deep learning, algorithms, transforming healthcare, that's been the spotlight a little more recently. And so what additional opportunities does generative AI bring to the table for healthcare organizations? So it brings in a number of these opportunities, right? So first and foremost, when we look at, I would say, deep learning and standard AI, as we may call it, you know, there is a lot of uptake that we had. And again, it was dealing with the structured data. So what we started doing is, if you really look at it, we started converting documents into structured data. We don't need to do that first and foremost that. We cannot deal with, you know, the data in its original form and vice versa. 
So going back to what other opportunities it opens up, right? So first and foremost, let's divide it into two broad areas. The whole administrative work and the second is clinical work. Now, some things are, I would say, a little far off, but just availability of vast amount of medical knowledge and that continues to keep growing, made available to physicians in a summarized manner and in a more pertinent manner itself changes the game a lot because that is what I require to personalize medicine. So we've been talking about personalized medicine for a while and we actually went towards, can we actually create a genome of it? Can we create a patient duplicates? Can we actually start looking at, you know, creating twins or can we actually start looking at stratifying patients based on the different risks and all that sort of stuff? How do you actually apply the latest and greatest knowledge, which was just, I would say, invented yesterday? Very few physicians are able to do that, not because of, you know, capability or the experience, it's just time and ability to kind of go through that. So that's a big opportunity to clinically transform. Now, can in a later stage, you know, you can actually do a clinical decision support, possibly once the technology matures there, but first is just augment, augment the information in a manner that makes it consumable. So I would say the browser will get replaced very quickly as far as the medical information or medical knowledge is concerned. So that's the first opportunity. The second is now looking at the administrative parts of it. The administration of hospital is a humongous task, right? That task includes many things. It includes your contracts with payers. It includes your contracts with your suppliers. It may be, for example, even pharmaceutical PBMs. There's a lot of contract work that happens. It's a complex procurement change, right? Generative AI now starts giving you opportunities to rationalize that. Brings in efficiencies, mm -hmm. helps you, you know, run leaner. So the technology investment will start solving the problem. Now, if you really look at it, last few quarters, all healthcare providers have really been barely making a margin or negative margin. And that is, you know, given into the healthcare expertise cost, you know, attrition. One is obviously at to burnout. The second is also the skills gap. So everybody has to now do more with less. And that requires what are the areas that you can take out? And I think that goes back to how you can augment the healthcare, not just the physician, but also nursing staff, for example. Very, very critical, right? How do you actually augment them? So just helping them through their daily processes, using generative AI, creating documents, because physicians don't fill in everything. It's nurses who fill in, interns who fill in, right? And we want to keep them there. So augment them with the technology. And I think they'll stay committed because they are more here to spend time with patients as well. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunity that we can see. We have to deploy the technology in the right manner. Personally, I have a lot of nursing friends and I know that they'd be very happy to have that more of those streamlined systems in place for them so they can do that part of the job that they really love, like being with their patients. So no, that's perfect. And well, yeah, and you know, looking at nurses as well too, and we're getting a bigger picture of who is benefiting from this generative AI. And so who do you believe will be one of the biggest beneficiaries from this generative AI in healthcare? So I think first and foremost, I don't think there will be any persona in the healthcare ecosystem that will be untouched. May it be from the leadership all the way to, you know, say even a customer service representatives. I think everybody will be touched by Gen AI over a period of time. But if I really look at it, you know, I think the patient will be the biggest winner into mm -hmm. it. 
as we become efficient as we become more accurate as we reduce errors as we actually you know make it more empathetic and as we democratize cognition i think the patients now start getting way better choices of you know taking care of themselves whether so whether they are actually looking at acute care whether they are actually looking at self management a lot of opportunity in self management space so you are now starting to think about changing fundamentally how care is delivered because now you can actually bring it digitally in an empathetic manner versus when you really needed at least televisit to be done so think about those areas that will actually start transforming the second is you know also breaking the silos between different parts of the value chain whether it is you know between insurance whether it is in provider whether it is with say the ambulatory care or step down cares the whole coordination itself has been a challenge and i think as we bring in efficiencies and interoperability using gen ai because it's the document that moves so patient moves with the document and that's essentially how we will actually see generative ai adding you know that particular value so patient i think will be the biggest winner as far as this change is concerned something that you mentioned earlier when you're talking about the role of the doctor freeing them up to do more learning and that portion of their job if any as what role does generative ai have in helping to accelerate medical research to encourage that growth for doctors and their learning so i think medical research so if you look at the ecosystem medical research is a very critical component of the whole value chain because if you can't find new treatments you can't address you know unmet needs of patients i mean we how do you actually progress with healthcare so research is a very important part so i think the first and the foremost is research is very heavily dependent on finding the right patients and how do you find the right patients so we have been relying very heavily on emr data sets but that's not the most efficient way we have actually dealt with it because a lot of information is in the clinical notes so it starts helping you find the right candidates for clinical trials the second is it also allows you to now engage them through the clinical trials attrition rate in clinical trials is extremely high a large part of this is how well the patients are engaged empathetically have you engaged them and i think that itself changes you know the research because if you can actually have lower attrition on clinical trials itself is a big win in accelerating research and then finally the whole rigor of producing that evidence and going back to the authorities for approvals so drug companies today spend a lot of time and effort on creating the regulatory documents whether these are ectds whether these are clinical study reports that essentially are submitted right huge opportunity to speed up the regulatory documentation and the second is even interaction with the health authorities so if you can make that piece streamlined that is a huge opportunity itself so if you look at conduct of clinical research clinical trials helping regulations uh, regulatory documentations that itself is a big lift as far as the research is concerned and then finally starting to look at how do you actually study these patients on a large scale now patients are also moving on to social whether you're looking at social whether you're looking at again meta research because a lot of meta research also happens which is you know study of studies and it accelerates that itself because it democratizes you know that information to researchers and you know bringing the value chain of real world evidence into the space itself also changes the way research actually is conducted so i've not going into you know how well you can actually identify new targets because those are very very scientific in nature 
it will definitely give a lift there but i'm just looking at some of the very basic areas of clinical research that can suddenly actually get transformed and very quickly get transformed using generative ai as technologies it's actually a different way than i i thought of it being used but it makes so much more sense and can i could absolutely see how that would accelerate that process and create faster gains in uh, medical knowledge and with healthcare data privacy security very crucial elements in healthcare and so how ready is generative ai for those topics you know the sensitivity of privacy and uh, security of information and confidentiality so i'll give you a slightly different answer that you expect on this so the answer to me is we don't know yet and let me back it up on why i say we don't know that yet right see any technology or innovation for that matter not just technology it actually runs way ahead of control so innovation is supposed to be uncontrolled so we are in, as at this point in time in the innovation space of the new technology called gen ai and how much of this is i mean are there concerns around privacy confidentiality the answer is yes there are right because we don't know how exactly this technology when deployed at scale can do so there is a cautious approach to it and i think that's the right approach as well we have to take a very cautious approach and why because we still do not have very well tested systems processes and controls yet but do we are the organizations starting to invest into it are the leaders and even the regulators and governments are thinking about it the answer is yes right but it takes some time to get there so the answer is we don't know should we actually be cautious about it very much but at the same time i think there are efforts that every organization and thinker is actually putting together at this point in time and we will have the answers because technology will is a wonder provided we can put the right controls around it what those controls are we are working on it collectively yeah. <laughs> as an ecosystem yeah across the board yes is technology changes so does our reactions to it and how we have to put those buffers into place and those controls yeah that makes <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, let, let's look at it. Right? Let me take a simple example. Right? Did the cars come first, or did the lanes on roads come first? That's true. Yeah, cars uh, first, and then then the lanes. Then the lanes. Right? <laughs> then we invented the traffic rules, isn't it? And then the seat belts. Right, and then seat belts. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's right. As we figure stuff out, we figure out where those, you know, those opportunities lie to fix. Then that's where they so come. So we. So now let me put it up. this way that i think we'll have to invent the airbags it's all emerging it's all new but people are on it it sounds like uh, and and uh, it is a very very sensitive space because any new technology with unknown effects i mean we know the effects at a small scale individually we know what it is what does it do at large scale that is something which you know are always you know anticipated but i think you know as an organization or not as an organization but as as a collective community of healthcare professionals everybody recognizes that and is cautious and we will put those brakes seat belts and <laughs> that's right that's right yeah, so if healthcare organizations are like yes i would love to start learning how to get generative ai into our organization how should they approach that journey that's a very good question because you know you don't want to be left behind and at the same time you don't want to be maverick about it where you just suddenly start experimenting and don't even know where you're going with it and gets in <laughs> get into your crashes <laughs> so i think let's take a look at it so as an organization where can i 
invest my money so should i invest into technology should i invest into you know developing controls should i invest into building skills right or should i actually invest into even identifying what the business value of generative ai is right mm-hmm. the answer is all of the above but i think it will be disproportionate initially so in my opinion i think rather than chasing the technology because this space is evolving extremely fast and you know the tech brains behind it are really putting a lot of investment into it so leave them to that where the healthcare organization should invest into is identifying the use cases and then identifying which are the ones which are low risk or manageable risk mm-hmm. and start piloting with that and as the technology evolves they will learn from it and they'll continue to kind of build on it because we have to build on something which a start driving and deliver some business value out of it so all the good stuff that we spoke about reducing burnout augmenting start looking at what are those quick wins that we can actually start creating before we scale it and do it in a i would say for the lack of better word i would even say in a risk averse manner given that we are a healthcare organization so start with operation offsite versus the clinical side look at what those opportunities are the second is as we start looking at scaling so will this scale the answer is yes right the time is not going to be you know it's not going to be too long before it scales and at that time what you mean realize it if you left your data architecture behind you cannot scale technology is available so you have the going back to the analogy of the car you have the best of the car with you but there's no fuel so you don't want to get stranded in that so rather than investing into just technology invest into use cases invest into identifying and bringing you know people on board collectively on it and the third is get your data architectures evolved so that's here where i would say that organizations can start putting this together maybe this means you know creating a bunch of experts you know and starting to kind of create a little bit of a momentum but focus i would recommend the focus around these areas for healthcare organizations it's a good starting plan for sure and so even the future of healthcare is also dynamic and ever changing uh, maybe not quite at the speed as of ai but from your perspective what is the next big generative ai leap uh, what is that role that they, that it has in reimagining the way healthcare is delivered and experienced so multiple <laughs> answers to it depending on with what lens you look at it right sure. so let me look at it again from you know two three different lenses so let's first look at it from a consumer lens if i'm a consumer of healthcare and when i am a consumer i have two personas either i'm actually a beneficiary of receiving care or i'm actually a beneficiary of you know the insurance organization so first and foremost you know if i reimagine i would possibly look at a single window clearance of everything so i start and my journey is completely seamless does it actually communicate to me in a cognitive manner and in a human like manner the answer is yes and with empathy but at the same time it actually solves my problem step by step not necessarily looking okay now i do this and then i go to the next person so i don't hop walls i actually just walk through the doors so i think it, as long as it open doors between these silos that's a reimagined way of doing this and i think this is possible with gen ai you know technologies you know where we hindered is how you could interpret you know these large set of documents across different boundaries so that's the first one the second is you know if i look at again reimagining healthcare 
let's face it, all of us go to Google to diagnose. The day I get a headache, we look for Google. And it's not going to stop. So we may actually now go to the Gen AI and make it more reliable and make it more patient-facing. So I don't expect it to give me the most scientific answer. I don't expect it to give me a diagnosis, but I expect it to give me, you know, some sort of a direction on where I should kind of look at it because I will turn into a pseudo doctor for everything that me or my family member goes through. So I think that's another way of looking at it. But that's also an opportunity that as we see the change in behavior of the patients themselves, can we not tune that behavior to get it right? So rather than self-diagnosis, direct them into the right direction and then kind of, you know, get them you know, onto the right path through it. And that path is extremely seamless. And the third is when I actually receive care, I actually get the latest and greatest at a lower cost. Yeah. That's, I would say, the future of healthcare that I would like to see. And, you know, I would like to see Gen AI playing at the back of it because it's, again, as cognition kicks in, I think that's the opportunity that the healthcare can actually leverage. Those are all excellent examples. And yeah, I know it, I, I'll be on Google and be like, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't be looking at my symptoms in Google. <laughs> I think that can make a much better experience for those who like, you know, so many of us that do that. And that'd be a wonderful change and addition that that brings to healthcare. Needless to say, wellness, right? I mean, wellness mm-hmm. is, means a lot of things. And I think while we see healthcare from the lens of curing people, I believe the Definition also needs to change, in my opinion, going forward. The definition needs to, A, bring in wellness. And it also needs to start bringing your daily lifestyle, you know, and we we term social determinants of health now. But social determinants of health are, in my opinion, uh, in retrospective. Okay, so who are you? But can I influence it? And can I actually orient those social determinants and lifestyle in a manner that I actually get a better wellness and lesser healthcare. I would actually like to consume less of healthcare by kind of shifting the whole thing left, influence the lifestyle, encourage wellness, and then ultimately downstream. Now, going back to given the topic of today is again Gen AI. Can Gen AI not play a big role in that? Because if I start kind of shifting left and influencing the lifestyle, which all starts with awareness, which all starts with education. And who do I interact most of the time in my life? in my day-to-day, a computer screen. Let's map our time, right? How much time do we spend in front of a computer screen? And Gen AI essentially today has that opportunity of influencing that, moving them slowly and even left and kind of solving, I would say, just how much of healthcare do we actually need? Yeah, I definitely think there's a quite a big opportunity for Gen AI and wellness. And just, uh, I mean, I think health is such a, a large umbrella with so many components to it. Actually, before I went into podcasting, I had 13 years in wellness and coaching people and lifestyle change and working with doctors to do those things. And as you were talking, I was thinking of so many examples and how Gen AI would have been so helpful in that position to better connect with the people I was coaching and educating. And I'm sure you would have seen a difference between who were, you know, the good guys and not so adherent <laughs> right, yeah. in that cohort, right? What it meant to their health, right? Now, so if you bring all of this together, right? See, there is a change in behavior, right? I want to be on the top of my, you know, own health, my own wellness. So I am not, I'm pulling information a lot. 
So there is one persona. The other persona is, you know, I'm not concerned. So there you need to push. But you push it in a manner that is, again, cognitive, empathetic, and ultimately gives me motivation to kind of act on it, right? And if I pull, it a kind of gives me in a, again, empathetic manner. So the kind of effect that it can create and ultimately, you know, just change the way healthcare is approached from treatment to prevention and then even, you know, kind of just change it and shift it left, in mm-hmm. my opinion, is a huge, huge opportunity. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity for Gen AI and healthcare and a lot of great examples that you've given us to think about, which is great. And so I would like to wrap it up with a more of a little bit more of a fun question here. So who in the world of Gen AI would you most like to have lunch with or dinner? Mm. <laughs> Spend some time, have a good conversation about your field with. So maybe Peter Lee. So he's somebody I would say that is passionate about healthcare. And, you know, he wrote a very nice book on reimagining healthcare. And he's so one of the you know key folks in uh, chat gpt so he wrote a book around that and and i think that kind of talks about his passion so maybe he's the right person to actually meet up and have a chat yeah that sounds like a very interesting conversation to have <laughs> very interesting lunch <laughs> interesting lunch well Ruben, thank you so much for your time today and it's been such a pleasure talking with you about gen ai and just the future of what it can bring to healthcare. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and joining us on the Shaping Healthcare podcast. Thank you, Laura. I really enjoyed my discussion. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. The Shaping Healthcare podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com.